MC Lobshire, the host of the Cash Ninja podcast and also the president and chief wealth and investment strategist of Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate cash flow banking, also known as infinite banking, with their business and investments. If you're interested in learning more about how we create strategies that integrate cash flow banking and investments to turbocharge them, you can access a video series at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host inside the dojo, MC Laubscher. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobster here. Welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. And in today's show, we're going to look at the new era ahead for the cannabis industry. My guest in this episode is Alex Coleman. Prior to co-founding C Hunter in 2017, Alex founded Annex Capital Management, LLC, a US-based middle market private equity group where he served as managing partner from 2004 to 2017. Annexed focused on control equity positions in a broad array of industries and also acquired distressed debt and direct equity in the secondary market. Alex also served as managing director of Citicorp Venture Capital from 2007 to 2009. Alex served as chairman of the Big Red Group Holdings LLC from 2007 to 2017, and he received an MBA from the University of Cambridge and a bachelor's degree in economics from the University of Vermont. Alex currently serves as the CEO and co-chairman of Tilt Holdings, a virtually integrated infrastructure and technology cannabis company. If you're interested in joining our investors group, you can go to cashflowninja.com forward slash investors group and fill out an application form and or email me at info at cashflowninja.com to start the discussion to see if you are a good fit for our group. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Alex, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my background is uh, in finance and largely focused on traditional uh, private equity, uh, leveraged buyouts. Uh, I ran funds for two different banks, one uh, Allianz Stresner Bank and the other being Citicorp. Uh, and I've had my own fund as well. And it's largely been a, a career focused on identifying uh, markets with opportunities, uh, the companies that exist in those markets, having some type of competitive advantage, and then first and foremost, uh, making sure that there is a management team in place that can, uh, that can execute on a, uh, on a kind of a buy and build strategy. Now, the Farm Bill was just passed legalizing hemp in the United States. What are, what are the business-related effects on this in the industry? 
Sure, good question. The CBD derived from hemp and CBD derived from marijuana is the same if it's in purity, if it's in pure form. So they're both considered cannabis sativa plants. Uh, the difference is CBD in and of itself without the entourage effect of THC uh, at best can be considered a, a good anti-inflammatory and naturally occurring anti-inflammatory. And therefore it has a really broad range of potential opportunities that the consumer will now be able to achieve in a bunch of form factors, whether it's topical, topically or ingested. Uh, and, and that access and knowledge base should permeate uh, a little bit through the THC industry. But the Farm Bill is a great step to now unwinding what has been a federally restricted law uh, for 50 years now, whether it be CBD or THC or both. So we're, we're, we're very excited about that opportunity and the direction it, it seems that the country's going. Yeah, I already see a lot of stuff on CBD and the oils and the, the tablets for the, the anti-inflammatory use, as, as you just mentioned. If you uh, take a step back and just look at this industry from a big uh, picture, and uh, you can kind of put your soothsayer hat on a little bit and look into, look into 10 years into the future. Where do you think is, is, is going, what area is going to find more traction? Is it going to be more medical or um, a move more towards uh, recreational and adult use? Are we talking about CBD or THC? Uh, the, the entire industry. Well, so CBD as a base ingredient, I assume we'll find in most products whether it will be a lead ingredient or something that just is part of the composition of a product. Uh, and, and a lot of it's going to depend on the evolution of new products and new product categories around CBD. And obviously the consumer then has to adopt and accept those categories. THC is a very different uh, product. You know, it, the CBD and THC are, are 95% of all the can cannabinoids in a, in a marijuana plant. Um, and I, I expect that to evolve very differently because we are only now beginning to understand why the plant actually works for specific medical conditions. Either it cures them or alleviates pain or other symptoms of those conditions, Parkinson's. Um, and I, I think it's an unlimited number of permutations for medically oriented THC products. Whereas I think recreational is already on an irreversible path where the adoption rate in markets that are recreational by uh, consumers that are 21 and older is very significant. You're seeing average annual spends per residence in places like Colorado of $300 a person. And that would indicate a $100 billion market and puts it on par with beer, which is about a $111 billion market in the US right now. Uh, and, and so that, that's how we're thinking about the total market. I think that the rec market ends up eclipsing the, the medical market. Uh, the medical market obviously having a slightly more relevant experience for each person, depending on what their condition is. Very, very interesting. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the farm bill, the size of the industry. What are other things that, are, that is exciting in this? Uh, maybe you could touch a little bit on the legalization uh, within the cannabis industry and, and some of the exciting things that you see in developments uh, besides the farm bill. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's, there's a couple of bills that are on the table, um, one of which tried to uh, attach itself to the uh, prison reform bill yesterday. Uh, obviously, the insinuation being that if we can uh, change the laws around cannabis, we'll also reduce the number of uh, people who are incarcerated, or incarcerated by violating cannabis law. Uh, but I, I think we'll see some relief in this coming year. The biggest issue uh, with either solution, whether it be the SAFE Act or the States Act, is whether we declassify cannabis from what is currently a Schedule I narcotic. 
but that you know that that is not uh, there's nothing we've built into our model because we exist in a framework today that we don't know if it will change tomorrow. Uh, we're very content with the way that states have adopted both medical and recreational law. We think it's an eventuality that every state ends up with a recreational law allowing any consumer who's 21 or older to buy it. And, and therefore, we're going to see a, a very large amount of capital come in. Uh, and it's much needed because we're behind on research. We're behind on form factors and product efficacy and understanding consumer behavior around it. Uh, and so I would expect that the products you see in the shelf today, whether it be a chocolate or a gummy, you know, may in fact not be what you see in two or four years from now. It might be that quick. And we've seen it in other areas where consumers shift out of a category so quickly based on some new availability of that same, that same product, but in a different form factor. So it'll be a very exciting few years coming up. Yeah, you've touched on a couple of things, and we've also seen uh, some big corporations expressing interest in especially CBD uh, uh, products like Coca-Cola, for instance, interested in CBD-infused drinks, Constellation Brands, the owner of Corona, making acquisitions, and now Altria, owner of Marlboro. Um, What are some of the other big milestones that you're looking at in 2019? Yeah, it's it's an interesting convergence right now of some leading industry players coming in, whether it be Constellation or Altria, into the category. Uh, I I think it's a, 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 you know, to use a term, kind of getting their feet wet, because I don't think the companies they're investing in themselves, you know, we're all in the same category. We're in the middle of a first inning of a long game. uh, And the yet, I I assume they look at the same data we're looking at, which is, it's on a path, as I just said earlier, it's irrefutably going to or inevitably going to become available. Uh, And I think that the, the question is, where does the industry align most? Is it alcohol? Is it pharma? Uh, is it just consumer packaged goods? And I think that all those three categories can play in the industry. It's obviously a validation too of the information that we're seeing to see so much capital coming in when it's still federally legal in the US. Uh, investing in Canada doesn't let you come into the US. If you're a publicly listed Canadian company on the Toronto Exchange, you're actually prohibited from investing into the US for plant touching. So you're forced into maybe some tertiary and, and still evolving markets. But, you know, if you look at the data, everyone expects the U.S. to be the biggest market um, as one market in the world. Uh, and the question is, you know, how do you, how do you reallocate, reallocate that capital that went into Canada into the U.S. to take advantage of that? That's something that really is, is very much unknown to us. But I, I do think the validation is a great first step. How did you be uh, personally become attracted to cannabis? And uh, do you have any personal testimonials on the products that, uh, that are now being produced? So I first got exposed to the industry in early 2016, uh, met a management team. And as per my earlier statements about where my background lies, it was a challenge for me to uh, support managers at that time in the market because they either didn't have enough of a background or their backgrounds didn't line up with the execution required uh, to build a successful company. Uh, So after looking at the data, we decided that we would then build our own company, but still make it diversified, right? So if you think about a private equity portfolio, if you're building value for your investors, you still need what's called an actuarial spread over 10 or 12 companies in that portfolio. And we sort of took the same approach in cannabis, where once you got into it and you saw how attractive the opportunity was, but also the scarcity of capital and resources, um, it became very compelling to build a diversified business, both 
by product line and by market, you know, both were, were national and international. And per, in terms of personal testimonials, I mean, it's interesting. Medical, as I said earlier, the medical market is not the biggest today. Uh, in fact, you see medical cardholders typically decline in markets that become recreational, largely because medical patients do not want to interact with a doctor on their own self-administration. Uh, but I mean, every day I hear a new story or read a new white paper, uh, and it is just stunning the correlation between cannabis com- consumption and the success of specific conditions that have changed people's lives forever. And it doesn't, I don't see it every day in my office or what we're doing, but it is very reinforcing to know that that exists. Yeah, daily we see more and more studies coming out. Now, there are innumerable companies, both private and public, out there in the cannabis industry. As a CEO of a company, how do you look for ways to differentiate and distinguish the company that you run? Yeah, it, it, so right, right now it's about uh, addressing the consumer and uh, having access to consumers and the, the limitation on maybe just a store model, which has really been widely adopted, is at some point you're restricted to some geographic radius around that store for reaching consumers. Uh, and so our point of difference is that we really structured our company Tilt as a business-to-business company where we support all the stores that are, that are currently selling cannabis to consumers today. And we do that through a software and services platform. Uh, and then we can help stores engage with their consumers and help them understand better how to reach those consumers. Our device products and our consumer packaged goods products all go through the same channel and what's called a route to market. We have a large distribution company that also takes products from, uh, from businesses that manufacture products to the ones that sell them. Uh, we, our own products are on the same trucks going on the same shelf. And so our, our presence in the market is pretty far reaching. I, I, I think we probably have a 30 to 40% market share in many categories already, whether it be a, a CRM platform for stores and consumers, whether it be uh, delivery B2B or B2C, uh, whether it be devices such as pens, uh, we have a lot of those assets already in, inside our company Tilt. It's very interesting because there's just so many niches, right, uh, within this industry uh, of, of serving and providing value for companies as, as your company is doing already in this space that, uh, you know, people think about this uh, the, the, the cannabis industry is just basically the, the plant and growing the plant and selling it. But it's all this supporting uh, businesses and, and industries that the, the real value lies for investors. The, the greatest thing about the state legalization of cannabis is it's allowed companies like ourselves to raise the amount of cap, uh, capital needed to better understand the efficacy of the product that we are delivering. So we've hired a team of geneticists or scientists Uh, some of whom have background in genetics, um, including the Human Genome Project. And as a starting point, just starting to understand the different strains and the impact on the human body and how to deliver a more educated experience for consumers. And then through all of our extraction processes, whether now we're into live resin and cold presses, uh, it really really is so fascinating, the evolution. But that only um, has been uh, an opportunity or available to us because of the state legalization. Uh, and, and as I said, I, I think we're all on the front end of learning more about the product. The other part that's very interesting that everybody should note is, you know, while, while in a black unregulated market, typically your only source supply would be somebody you did not know giving you a, uh, a raw plant, uh, arguably uh, or, or most likely having a variety of pesticides on it, which don't combust well. 
The nice thing about the states becoming uh, legal recreationally is that now we can offer all these different form factors and the consumer is gravitating way more towards vape pens and oils and edibles that are more aligned with health and wellness trends, which, you know, smoking is not. Uh, and, and that's allowing us to really become creative in terms of how we're addressing that new consumer into the market, because I really do think that they're new consumers. You're listening to Alex Coleman on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back afterwards from our sponsors. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic market and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. You're listening to Alex Coleman on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and are back to our interview. Yeah, especially as we've spoken before from the CBD angle where there's a lot of inflammation and arthritis is a, is a big problem and so forth. So definitely a lot of new consumers coming in from that end. Um, how do you help to grow sh- uh, uh, shareholder value within the company and uh, provide value for all the stakeholders that are involved? Uh, uh, yes, of course. The the like CBD, as I said, it's it's a great product, and in its purest form, it doesn't matter the plant origin. You can get it from a, a, a marijuana plant or a hemp plant, and I agree, it's it's a very safe way for people to start to acclimate towards this idea that maybe uh, the marijuana sativa plant, the cannabis sativa plant, is not what they were told it was growing up. Um, in terms of delivering shareholder value for us, it's really creating uh, a company that can gain market share. Uh, and we've done that through buying the best in class companies in their respective sectors. As you said earlier, there are a lot of little niche parts of this of this industry right now, and it's very, very fragmented. Uh, I think I saw a statistic that said eighty four percent of uh, most of the cannabis companies were self-financed. I don't think you would see that in an industry that already records over ten billion dollars of revenue anywhere else. Uh, and so for us, you know, we, we really have an advantage now where we've been able to raise enough capital, I think about $250 million to date. Uh, we've been able to hire uh, very talented people, both within the industry, but also outside the industry. Um, and that's allowed us to really uh, combine a number of different companies and competencies to create a more comprehensive uh, cannabis company. Uh, and, and in that respect, we can reach far more consumers and have selling channels far outside of any stores we might own. Uh, because of our reach in the industry through our software and services platform. And the exit strategy for your business, is it, is it to sell the business eventually to another uh, company or giant? Is it to become a dividend uh, payer? Or you've mentioned a, a number of acquisitions already. Is, is the, the, the strategy to keep growing it through acquisitions like a, like a Warren Buffett? Yeah, it, it's an interesting question, uh, and I get it a lot. Uh, so we're we're currently trading on the uh, Canadian Securities Exchange under the ticker tilt. Uh, our first coverage uh, research came out yesterday from Canaccord, who was our lead banker, uh, and we went public on the on the CSE for two uh, reasons. One is to give our existing shareholder base an opportunity for liquidity, uh, but I, I would argue, almost more importantly, uh, the opportunity we have to roll up the industry uh, can only be achieved through a public listing. 
Uh, and so I don't really think about exits as much as we think about just building a good company, keeping our heads down, uh, creating a, 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 a company with real value proposition. And to be honest, that's where the opportunities get created. You, you cannot build a company with the, with the expectation of simply selling it. Uh, I, I think it'd be the wrong approach because you'll never end up with a company of a high enough caliber or quality that would demand or command the kind of premium you would want. So, you know, for us, we don't really have an eye on the exit. Uh, we really focused on, um, look, 33 states now have cannabis laws. Uh, there's no reason like a company like ours shouldn't be in every state. We're already in seven. We can touch over 100 million consumers already. Uh, we just signed a deal in Macedonia to get into EU. Uh, we're in Canada. Uh, and, and I expect that, that, to, uh, that growth to accelerate. This is a great way for people to participate in this growing industry, which is just, I mean, the, the, the potential there is just enormous if you look at, um, and we've just touched on a couple of things. Um, how, are, can, how can folks get involved? Because uh, again, as we mentioned, this is kind of like a diff, coming at from a different angle, right? It almost reminds me of, uh, of, the, of the gold rush, where it wasn't just the gold, the people that went in there and panned for gold and, and dig for gold that, that uh, yeah, participate in it, but all the supporting industries. Yeah, I, I, it, it has a lot of entrepreneurial opportunity. Uh, there's no question. And I, I think the biggest difference is now having been doing this for three plus years, it is a very sophisticated industry. Uh, and so while the, uh, the opportunity to grow a few plants with some specialized strains exists, uh, it, really, uh, it really is an issue about scale uh, and uh, product quality and efficacy and everything you would want if you're going to build a large consumer packaged goods uh, nutraceutical company. Uh, and I think that's the big differentiator between ourselves and maybe uh, an entrepreneur in a single state. Uh, the other thing I do get concerned about, too, is single state risk. It's something we focused on when we first got in. Our first license we bought in Massachusetts. We spent a lot of time focused on uh, local state politics and legislative in initiatives. The reality is if you have a portfolio of assets the way we do now in like places like Ohio and Pennsylvania, Arizona, Maryland, you know, and, and obviously Massachusetts, um, we are protected somewhat from any legislative initiatives that might make us change course because we're big enough now where we can, we can exceed that, where I think if you're an entrepreneur, um, you know, your chances of, of moving out of state lines is more restrictive, and therefore you need to be a little bit more concerned about local, local laws, which might change. What are the threats, uh, except, of course, the, the law um, out there, do you see in this, in this industry that investors should be aware of? No, I, I, look, when we first got into the industry uh, and uh, uh, clearly had to educate ourselves about what the state uh, conflict was with the federal law, uh, once we got comfortable that that was not a, uh, a substantial conflict at this point in time, where it would have been some time ago, but don't forget, California converted to a broad medical market uh, as, as far goes 1996. So, you know, it, it's already been 22 years. Uh, and then, uh, and then um, Colorado went recreational in Jan 1 of 14. Uh, so now we got five years there. And then obviously Trump coming in presented some risk. But then uh, after he was uh, admitted, to, uh, after he was sworn in, on July 1st, Nevada went recreational and then DOJ sessions did not uh, raise an issue. So I, I, I think the legislative or legal risks have been mitigated. 
so I, I think for investors now, you need to focus on the companies that you're putting money into. You know, where was their starting point? What states are they in? What's the quality of their revenue? Uh, you know, because somebody asked me earlier about 2019. Well, 2019 is a year of, of revenue. Uh, and, and so for all the companies that have gone public, a lot of their forecasts, including ours, you know, has a very significant growth rate into 2019. And so I think for investors, you now need to figure out which ones are really have a, the best opportunity for growth. Like, obviously, we feel very comfortable having, having Massachusetts as one of our, our, uh, one of our uh, starting points. And we've been there so long that our, our presence in the state hopefully uh, has an opportunity to realize the benefits of the conversion to recreational. Uh, whereas if your starting point was in Illinois or Ohio, and there's still medical states, your opportunity to make more money is much further down the road, you know, and because you have to consider that you're in a, in a, in a recreational state, the average expenditure by a resident in that state is 10 to 20 times greater than in a medical only state. And, and, and so if you, if you know that, then you need to establish a, a, a presence in every state that you think will convert to recreational and then enjoy the opportunity of increased demand when it does go into effect. Can you run some peer comparison and give us a measure of discount of any versus uh, some of the other companies in the industry? Well, I, look, I, I can't. Um, so can, I, I can reference a, a research report. Canaccord uh, put out research yesterday for Tilt Holdings, which is my company. I believe they have a number of approximately $150 million of, uh, of EBITDA. Uh, our industry peers seem to be trading at about 13 and a half times uh, the blended average forward EBITDA. Um, so, you know, you can do the math that people can do, do, do the deductions around uh, where we trade today and what that share price should be, uh, assuming that we achieve and or exceed our numbers. Fantastic. Now, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects. And obviously, there's a lot of new information and stuff to learn within this industry. What are you currently studying? Well, I mean, I, I look at both. <laughs> I, look, I spend a lot of time looking in the industry and out because you really have to keep your mind open to other things that are happening in the world uh, that will eventually affect your own industry. And I think for, for cannabis, really, you're just talking about catch up. It, it's not that complicated. Uh, heretofore, we've been restricted from capital uh, and knowledge of the industry. And now it's just catch up. And the question is, and that's a lot of the reason why we have a software and services platform, because we know eventually the consumer is going to want to get delivered at home. They're going to want different form factors. You can't get that knowledge base and the information loop unless you have an infrastructure like ours. You know, I think we're the only ones with that. Back back to the knowledge thing, though, for specifically the industry and what I study, uh, I, spent a, I spent enough time with our science team to try and understand where our opportunities lie. Uh, you know, whether we can use CRISPR technology to advance gene editing, to uh, enhance the plant and then enhance the experience for the consumer. Um, and then what does that mean? What, is it, what does a terpene profile mean for the plant? You know, we're, we're, we're really trying to catch up and figure out how to deliver the consumer a plant material that has much more knowledge around it for exactly what it should do for you. And, and granted, it's going to do different things for different people. But by and large, there should be a mean expectation around if you want to have a social experience, that's the plan for you. If, you. if you're suffering from pain, that should be the plan for you. You know, If you want to stay home and watch a movie, that's the plan for you. And, and that's the nice thing about THC, and that's really where it differs from uh, alcohol, 
is that we can customize the experience. It's sort of an unlimited number of permutations that we can deliver. And I think everybody in the industry has to study the, the plant origin and, and become scientifically uh, you know, informed about what's possible. And, and I spent a fair amount of time on that. I think it's, I think it's a fascinating area. Absolutely. Uh, now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. Uh, so, Alex, if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Now, I, I, I probably have to go with uh, leadership, uh, curiosity, and uh, empathy would be the three that I think are most important. Very, very, thank you so much for saying that. Very, very great. All three of them and very important. How can my listeners learn more about your company? Uh, how can they stay involved of all of the projects that you are involved with and uh, that your company's involved with? It'd be great. And I'd, I'd invite them to, to come along the journey with us because that's what it will be. It is, it is just one of the most fascinating industries I've ever been involved with. I tell you what, too. The highest caliber people, I, I don't think I've ever had a company with, um, with better people and not just smart and entrepreneurial, but very kind people that also share the same passion for the industry that I do. But if you want to follow Tilt Holdings, as I said, we're a Canadian Securities Exchange listed company. Uh, we have an OTC listing now, which gets clarified in a couple of weeks for US investors. I think right now it's our legacy uh, SVVT listing, but it will all become Tilt. So on the CSE, we're under TILT, the ticker tilt. Uh, and they can go to tiltholdings.com and they can, they can also uh, look up the Canaccord uh, research report uh, and just keep track of our, of our uh, daily announcements, which they pretty much are daily based, uh, at this point. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Alex, and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my, my listeners. Excellent. I, I appreciate you having me. Thanks very much. MC Lobshire, the creator and host of The Cashflow Ninja and president of Producers Wealth. And I'm on a mission to help you achieve economic and financial freedom as quickly as possible. I achieve this by integrating the infinite banking concept with real estate investments to increase your efficiency and returns and recapture cash flow that you're not even aware of that you're losing. I share the number one strategy for investors in my holistic wealth creation course at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Thank you for joining me again on the Cashflow Ninja. Thank you for all your support. You rock. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text CASHFLOWNINJA to 44222. I'm also posting daily videos on Facebook and YouTube and will live stream weekly starting May 2018. To make sure you don't miss any of the live streams, please like and subscribe to my Facebook and YouTube platforms. I'm also dropping content on Instagram daily. Be sure to follow us on Instagram to get in on the action. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. That's our show for today. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms.
This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.